This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everybody. It's Stephen. I just wanted to jump in at the top here and mention that uh, the beginning of the interview when I'm talking to John about kind of how he got into the goals, it kind of blips a little bit. and It's uh, it's nothing substantial or substantive. It's just a little bit of a mistake on my part. Uh, but John was incredibly great and incredibly generous with his time. And uh, so I just wanted to kind of jump in and say that so it didn't uh, hit you when you're hearing it. Um, like I said, John was really great, and I'm really excited to keep doing this and try to paint a picture where the ducks are at right now, and we'll have more coming soon. So uh, without any further delay, here's the episode. Thank you so much. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner, gets up center. Perry, Corey Perry. Well, able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. Welcome, everybody, to the Forever Mighty Podcast. As you can tell by the fact that you are not hearing the uh, sweet, soothing tones of Eddie or Pat, it's going to be me running the show tonight. It's uh, it's going to be a little different. We're going to try something that I, uh, I talked to Eddie about and really wanted to try. Uh, I think the Ducks are at a really weird and interesting place uh, in the franchise kind of history and projector, uh, trajectory right now, and so... I thought uh, it would be a really good time to take a look at kind of different aspects of the team and see how we can, you know, kind of look at those different pieces and see if they paint a picture of what we, as Ducks fans, can kind of start to expect over the next few years. You know, how bad is this going to be? How long is it going to take? How soon, maybe, if we're lucky, can we get out of it? Uh, So the easiest place for me to start, actually, was uh, with the goals because I knew exactly who I wanted to talk to. Uh, so joining me is John Broadbent, as you will notice from his uh, very lovely voice. He is not from our side of the hemisphere. <laughs> How you doing, John? Uh, good. Good. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, man. I, uh, I'm excited, you know. Uh, so real quick, you know, I think, uh, you know, me and you met uh, writing at uh, Anaheim Calling. You had been there longer than I. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and then you started the Defend the Nest site and... You're covering the goals. So how did you end up doing that? How did you to be able to hold on to him? I don't think the goals have seen a prospect that highly touted or that exciting come through the organization in a little while. Yeah, you're right. We haven't had that much excitement since getting maybe all three, Sam Steele, Tori Terry, and Max Jones at the same time. And we haven't really had a sort of blue chip since John Gibson. So Yeah, it's It's been a rough stretch, man. (laughs) Forgive us, yeah. Forgive us for wanting to, to hang on to him for as long as we can. Yeah, no, I get uh, it. Particularly because he's making the power play pretty much unstoppable right now. 
So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because that's exactly what Anaheim doesn't have right now, uh, and hasn't had in like seventeen years as a functioning power play. Uh, so, you know, I kind of want to cover different things. I want to cover, you know, some of the the younger guys, some of the guys who have been down there a little bit more, and then maybe you know just talk about how you know how you kind of view the organization and stuff like that. So, you know, I think to start off with, we'll, we'll put the, the exciting guys to the end. Uh, guys like Antoine Moran, Benoit Olivier Gruel. I know you've been a big fan of uh, Simone Benoit. You know, so... He's got his own cash price, yep. <laughs> so where, you know, which of those guys do you see as kind of maybe being able to make an impact at the NHL level? You know, I don't think any of us are expecting them to turn into, you know, all-star level players. But if a couple of those guys hit and they can turn into bottom three defensemen or bottom six forwards, I think Anaheim's really going to come out of that well. Yeah, well, there's, there's always there's always um, what people envisage, envisage a player becoming and his potential um, and in his reality. But I try to see what could become of them. Uh, based off of watching the goals over the years and just seeing how they do compared to others. And yeah, sure, there's some that really stand out. There's some that, although they may not put up, put up the point totals, you can see there's something there. So it's, it's good you mentioned Antoine Moran because people, from people that follow me, they'll know that I absolutely love the kid. And to me, he's the goal's most underrated player. There isn't any fan, like quote-unquote fancy stats for the AHL, but... Um, <laughs> If there were, I'm sure they would. Sh- the underlying numbers would show that he drives play. I am absolutely convinced he draws the most penalties on the team, which this year with having Trevor Zegers on the power play is really important. And he's just dependable. He's consistent night in, night out. The other guy that I really had a soft spot for was Jack Kopecka, so I was sad to see him go. Um, yeah. And I kind of wanted to see what he would turn into. Just because, I don't know, it's a weird thing I have where I'm kind of obsessed with trade trees. And so I always bring up the fact that he's the result of the Pat Maroon trade. So now that that's now that he's gone, it's kind of like, well, that's over now. Oh, um, wow. From Edmonton, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. he's, he's the guy we selected with the draft pick. So, yeah, Anton Moran, uh, Simon Benway, I've always been a fan of his. And he's, he's rounding out to, you know, enter his third season now. And he's well due for a call-up, but it's also getting to the point where the other kids are coming in too. So, you know, Drysdale's coming in this year, and that's pretty damn neat that we get to have the CHL players play this season um, just to see what they're like and actually kind of put to bed the uh, whole thing that those kids are too young for the, for the pro leagues. Um, I realise it's an agreement with CHL to, to, to ensure that their financial stability continues. But it just gives the GMs more leverage for um, making that case that there should be allowances for some of those kids that are clearly too talented for the CHL. Yeah, sorry, you said not the less exciting players. Uh, no, no, you're good. Let's let's talk about Miranda real quick. So when you say you know he's a guy that you think is really underrated and his underlying numbers, if they existed, would probably be solid. What what kind of player yeah. is he? Is he you know is he generating shots? Is he making passes? Is he just kind of a strong two way player like? What is it about him that you see as having legitimate potential? Oh, that's a good question. Because, um, yeah, you immediately made me try to think of a comparable. I specifically oh. didn't ask you that because I always feel like that's unfair. And I didn't want to put you on the spot. <laughs> but you got one. I'll take it, man. I really will. I don't really. Like, the first name that came to mind is Marion Hosa, but he doesn't have that kind of hands. Mm. It's just, 
he just makes me think of him because he's always getting into it, always uh, turning pucks over on the forecheck, defensively responsible. He just he does it all really. Um, he gets overlooked because of his size and doesn't always put up the numbers. But I can see him actually breaking through this year. Um, he hasn't been put on any like the last couple of preseason games. The goals have been very short on boards, and you'll, I'll talk about that later. But um, <laughs> he's been on the fourth line with like uh, either a scrub or uh, a guy that just joined the team because the goals are literally still putting their roster together. Yeah. He's, and he's still putting out points doing that. So, yeah, I think he's going to break out this year. Who else is sort of unsung? I, I, Alex Dosti, his, his, um, his three-year ELC finished at the end of the last season, but the girls have brought him back on a tryout. I'm pretty sure they might have inked him by now, but he he was doing pretty good too. Like, he hadn't done so well the first two of his pro seasons, but that last year he actually was becoming something. So I'm glad the girls did bring him back, not only because it's super short of forwards, but also he could turn something around, like just produce this year as well and I'm also really excited about um, other guys who may not have the girl, uh, the Ducks signed over the previous off seasons like uh, it feels like it was a couple of seasons ago but um, Bryce Kondop mm-hmm. um, he's been playing in Tulsa and uh, Max Gollard who they signed as an overager because he was on the same team as Drysdale I've listened to a couple of the Oilers games and he sounds like he's got it all I mean that's the ECHL but still he was putting up pretty good numbers as a first-year pro in the ECHL, which the last guy to do that for the goals was probably Kopaka. Interested to see how they do. It's going to be weird. We might not see them for a while because uh, Golo got injured and got tested positive for COVID. It's weird. The media doesn't really release that, but um, listening to the Oilers, like they've got this, like, this coach's corner thing, um, they mentioned it on that. Uh, Jack Bedini, who came out of Harvard, uh, did not expect him to sign his, his, his ELC, but with COVID and shutting down Harvard, he did from what I'm hearing on their broadcasts, is a fairly good center. So, um, interesting to see how he does as well. Gotcha. So, I know Morand is a center. Yeah. Uh, Kindop is... He's a right winger. Okay. So, it sounds like these are, you know, kind of guys that, you know, if they come good, can kind of turn into third, fourth line guys in the NHL. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're not going to be first or second liners, but they've got the skills there. Whether they can take the, the next step is, I mean, that first season, that first preseason game of the goals, where Max Jones had been sent down and he'd obviously just come off of injury, he looked rusty as hell. He did not look ready to play. So, I honestly thought he'd been sent back again when we didn't see him. But he's doing really good for the Ducks. So. What you see in the NHL isn't always what you get. Yeah, I think you know. I think that's a really interesting point, and I think Max Jones for me is is really an interesting test case for kind of trying to get an idea of what the relationship between the AHL and the NHL is. Because you know, Max Jones when he was drafted, he had a bit of a temper, and you know, he was a very physical player, and you know, there was conversations about you know. He had a little bit of offensive upside. He was going to be that real traditional power forward, kind of a Nick Ritchie-esque player. And, you know, I don't know that he's ever, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know that he's ever really blown everyone away down in the AHL. But he just seems like he's a pretty consistent guy. And, you know, when he's come up in the NHL, I you know, he's playing with uh, Getzloff right now. And he just seems like a perfect third guy on a line because he's going to run around, he's going to throw his body, he's going to get aggressive on the forecheck. You know, he's going to do all those little things that traditionally 
you know, the Ducks have, have valued in forwards. And as a fan, I think that's one of those things that's enjoyable. You know, when you watch a guy who's just going out there and giving it at all. He pretty much, and this was the talk of last year's Ducks Twitter or the year before, he pretty much made Nick Ritchie expendable because he is Nick Ritchie minus the penalties. Yeah. Um, so does he have, and you can see, does he have that same kind of shot? Cause the one thing I do think that's a little underappreciated about Richie is Richie has a good wrist shot when he's able to get it off. Yeah. Maybe not as good as Richie. Uh, yeah, not as good as Richie's, but he does have surprising hands. That's the thing mm-hmm. is, and I, I wish I had seen more of him on the goals because you'd see him do that every now and then, um, the whole between the legs beside the net kind of goal. Um, and he wasn't afraid to try it. Mm-hmm. And he's got that swagger. So, that's that's the thing. Is he's got he can take people by surprise with his hands and playing with Getzlaff, but it's, it's even better for him. So let's uh, let's look at some of the uh, the younger guys and maybe some of the little bit more the high end guys. You know, I know they've got Perot and Tracy and uh, Dreesdale and uh, Zegers are all down there. We should probably save Zegers for last, since that way I'll, <laughs> I'll make sure everyone stays listening. Uh, so uh, where are you on Perot right now? Wow, okay, so I wasn't that impressed with his first game, but to be fair, it's his first ever pro action. He's, he looked very out of sorts. He's progressed since then, and in and, and that last preseason game that we got to see, so against Ontario, because, okay, they've played the Condor since then, but it wasn't broadcast, he looked very good. Yeah, all of his speed was on, on display, his forecheck, tenacity, and he was trying things. He was really trying things. He was uh, he did like a little behind-the-back coming down the left wing, one of those sort of like pucking the feet back to the stick. Yeah, he's going to be fun to watch if he keeps that up. It's like a lot of people have been saying he could be the steal of that mm-hmm. that late round. Uh, moving on to Braden Tracy, um, I so I actually got to come to Anaheim 2019 and to that to that rookie tournament in Irvine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first time I saw him. First time I saw a lot of them in person, but the first time I saw him in person. And I was really impressed. Like, he was clearly a lot better than his peers in some ways. I liked his center of gravity. He's, like, very low center of gravity, not easy to knock off the puck. Since then, he hasn't shown much. And watching these preseason games and keeping an eye on him, he's um, started off a bit sluggish, but it's been getting his opportunities. That's the thing about him is he seems to find the areas. He's just not finishing them. So when that comes, he's going to be better than people expected, I think. Tracy, Tracy's an interesting one to me because I think from some of the stuff that I have read, he feels somewhat similar to Max Comtois in that their kind of ability to get around the net and just to kind of stay there in front of the net and kind of make things happen um, is one of the things that I, I thought that I had read about him and what he brings to the table. And how do you, how do you, yeah, feel about, you watch Comtois a fair amount last year? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sort of a similar game, but not the same size. Like, yeah. um, Trace is a lot smaller. Um, so he's never going to have that whole body up the guy, force a turnover, and that kind of capacity. But he'll do it in a, yeah, I don't know, that's a bad way of putting it, but a yappy dog kind of way. Um, <laughs> carry the puck, force turnovers, and, and havoc, essentially. But also, he's just, he's slipping into areas. To be you know what? Um, this is going to sound really bad, but and break a lot of hearts, but he kind of reminds me of Kevin Wah in a way. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Now I'm thinking about it. He's got the speed, and he's finding he finds himself 
in all the right spots and all the right times. So yeah, that would be pretty cool if he does become like a Kevin Wild, but possibly with more success. But yeah, and speaking of which, when I was writing my season preview last night, I saw that he's got he's on a trout with the Tucson Roadrunners. So it kind of broke my heart a little bit because I was like, oh no, <laughs> yeah. we're going to actually see him play this season on a different team, and it's the freaking Roadrunners. So, so, yeah, I remember. Uh, I think it was two years ago that Kevin Wall was kind of in and around the team and you know there were flashes where you'd see him do some stuff but it's just one of those things and you know I have Brian Burke brain he, he you just see he's so much smaller than some of those guys and you know it's uh it's one of those things that I think you know I think as the game changes obviously smaller players are definitely uh, going to be able to find more success but I think still right now especially for an organization that is run by Bob Murray you know, there is a natural hesitancy really try to work with some smaller players if they don't show that truly elite game-breaking talent right away. And, and I wonder, actually, that might be a good place to kind of slide in real quick, is how do you feel about their ability to develop players? You know, I know there was a lot of talk for a, a few years about their ability to develop young defensemen with Lindholm and then the Larson thing, which is a whole other thing, and, you know, Josh mm-hmm. Manson came up and that kind of thing. But I think, you know, I think a lot of questions are asked about how they're developing forwards and if maybe those players were better than we assumed at the time that they were brought in. And so it wasn't so much developing as them just kind of maturing naturally. What are your thoughts on, you know, the, the goal's ability to help these players kind of grow? That's a good question because I get that a lot when there's, whenever there's sort of teeth gnashing about you know, they did so well with the girls, how come they're not doing so good with the Ducks, um, things like that. And, yeah, maybe it's a combination of coaching, but also it's the veterans around them. And that's how I think that they're developing the defensemen so well because they're always bringing in someone else to mentor them. And maybe that's Scott Niedermeyer having a factor in there. Maybe, if, maybe yeah, you know, his player development, Todd Marchant, you'd think because he was a forward but would, would have more influence on the forwards but I think the defen- yeah the defensemen are developed better Simon Benoit he wasn't even drafted um, he was overlooked and he's almost ready for an NHL shot in my opinion I mean granted these guys are veterans you know Harkin Power and Cody Curran but you know we seem to be pretty good at picking defensemen that no one else seems to see much on them Hunter Drew is another one um, my boy right there I love that guy man. yeah I love him so much <laughs> Uh, Eddie, who's uh, one of the other hosts on the pod, he made fun of me when I was like, hey, like, who's a couple of names? I want to make sure that, you know, I'm I'm making sure I'm not getting any blinders. He goes, you have to mention Drew. I was like, come on, man. Like, I'm not going to forget to mention <laughs> Drew. Like, that's my guy. Like, I'm, you know, I saw him. I remember at that, that rookie tournament you were talking about. I saw yes. him and I got to be honest, there were a couple of clips where he didn't look super great, but you watch his game and it's one of those things for me. And I'm just like, yeah, man, this dude's just kind of got a nasty streak to him. He's got good size. Like, you know, if he can keep his feet under him and, and be able to adapt to a faster paced game, he, he's he got a shot to be, you know, not necessarily a top pair defenseman. But I think, you know, if he's your fourth or fifth guy, I think there's a chance that that's a positive. That's the thing. It's his foot speed. Yeah. He, he would be the total package if he if he had some speed. <laughs> and I remember that tournament. Yeah, true. I remember there was a contingent of goals fans there, and I I did go over and say hi at one point. Um, I think I was also also kind of like hi, that weird guy from the internet. Um, <laughs> but they were all nice. They were like, hey, you know, kind of thing. Come hang out with us. They're really cool people. Love my people. Love my goals people. Um, 
So, no, but I remember tweeting specifically, Goals fans, you're going to absolutely fucking love Hunter Drew. <laughs> <laughs> and because that was like right after he'd like dropped somebody and then like dropped them again, I think, twice in a row or something. And yeah, immediate responses were like, yep, watching and I, I, I do and, and will kind of thing. So, yeah. Anyway, back on track. Um, <laughs> developing defensemen versus forwards. Watching like what the goals have done this offseason with trying to bring in other players. It's weird because of this whole COVID situation and the CHL players being in there with them. There seems to be less emphasis on having uh, enforcers, which has always been still a thing in the AHL. Yeah. Because other teams are all in the same boat. They've all got their kids as well. Interestingly, just looking over the, the teams um, for the other Pacific, not all of them are actually doing that, though. Like uh, Edmonton and LA have strong ties to Europe, so a lot of their players are still over there, and they didn't bring them back. But so the girls, I remember distinctly, they had a really, really bad start to a season. I think it was 2017, and they were just losing game after game after game. And eventually they brought in Eric Fair on a loan. Yeah, it was on a loan from the Leafs because his contract was huge and they just couldn't deal with him. And he turned things around by like teaching the kids, body up the guy, pressure them, get the puck off them. Like, I remember him showing a clip of him actually in a practice, showing like space drills and defensive side of the puck kind of things. And that quickly turned things around. So it really, I mean, you'd think coaches should be able to do that too, but it, it comes from on the ice as well. So, yeah, the girls have had their fair share of forward veterans over the year. Um, Eric Fair was a good one. Adam Cracknell was the last one. He, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Contour learned a lot from Adam Cracknell because those two had really good chemistry. This year, for veteran forwards, they've just kind of got the same guys from last year. they got Podorowski. Chase DeLeo's really stepped up. Um, and I, I forever will feel bad for an article I wrote about him uh, about his deal filed for arbitration um, oh. and so I was like yeah. you're so going to get traded <laughs> <laughs> but he did um, so yeah no really still to this day incredibly sorry about that Chase um, and I love <laughs> what you're doing and he's taken up and he's, there's been articles about it he's taken up a leadership role this year um, and loving it so it's good to see that and it's really good that it's him that's it's teaching the young forwards. Yeah, it feels like uh, him and Sam Carrick have kind of really been big, consistent presence yes. for that goals team, you know, because uh, Jones is going up and down a little bit. Lunderstrom goes up and down a little bit. You know, uh, Terry is, you know, if I, if I ever decide to do a full episode just on Terry, I'll just have Jake come on and scream about it. You know, I felt bad for Terry because he got sent down at the end of last year t- to join the run, and then the season got shut down. And you know, there was yeah. so much hand wringing about why are they sending him down and what's the point. And then the whole reason he went down got taken out from under him, and I felt bad because yeah. you know I I think there is there is genuine value in playing those kinds of games. Like the Ducks aren't going to be playing playoff games right now, and I I don't know that it's not better to be playing legitimately meaningful games, even if the skill level maybe isn't as high. I, I think the fact that the games have some stakes to them is, is, is a legitimate thing. And I was really excited to see what he could have done, you know, coming into the goals and maybe trying to be one of the better forwards on that team. And, you know, just got taken away from him. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. 
Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. I just had such bad luck because it was the season before where he could have joined them for what eventuated to an almost cup finals run. They made it to the conference finals. But he broke his leg. Yeah, it was his leg, wasn't it? Yeah. And so, like, I was actually holding out, counting the days. Like, okay, he's due back. He might make it back to the cup finals if they make the cup finals. I think that was actually going to happen, but they didn't make the cup finals. So, last year's sending down felt to me like sort of like a redemption arc for like you didn't get to do it mm-hmm. that other year. So, how about this time? Um, and it's the last time he could because he's not exempt anymore. Those kinds of things matter, you know. I mean. You know, they talked about it the year before, which I think it was Sam Steele, who was a big part of, you know, trying to lead that run and stuff. You know, it's funny. Another name that I realized just now that we haven't mentioned is Josh Mahura. Yes. I am so intrigued by Josh Mahura just because he seems to have some offensive upside to his game. But I also, I don't know that he has high-end offensive upside. He seems to be more of you know, chipping in from a reduced role, which is obviously very important. But I don't know, you know, like, I don't think I see Josh Mahura as a number one power play guy. Where where are you on Mahura? Because I think he's a very interesting, especially with, you know, everything going on with Larson and, you know, mm-hmm. losing juice. I think, you know, I think uh, Josh Mahura is a very interesting name. Josh Mahura is on that, that cusp of people dying to lose patience with him. That's what it feels like to me. Mm-hmm. But, Defensemen take longer to develop, and he was a second-round pick. So I think, you know, is he, was he second or third? Give him time, I think. Um, at least one more year. I mean, I wouldn't jump on the trade him right away kind of train. Sure. Um, yeah, sure, Drysdale's coming through, and it's tight. the clock is ticking now. But I still believe there's a lot to offer from Josh Mahura. I went out on a limb a long time ago and said he, he'll be better than um, Brandon Montour. Um, oh, I still hold to that. I, look, I still hold to that. I'll just based on a, based on the way it's going. There's a really good chance that still comes true. Brandon Montour kind of plateaued, yeah. and I'm not sure what happened there. Because I, yeah, I, you know, he's a small guy with a big shot. Like I, I loved him, and I, you know, he just hasn't been able to seem to have that same level of impact that Ducks fans were really hoping he'd be able to bring. Yeah, that's my thoughts on Mahara. Is that give him time. He's still rounding it up. There's still time. Is he he's kind got, of Fowlery? Um, in a way, yes. I'd probably like his shot better. Um, sure, that'd, and that'd be good. Fowler's smart as well, but I feel like that's one side of Josh Mahara's game that we haven't seen at its best is his hockey smarts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got down on him for a bit because he seemed to just not really care defensively sometimes. Um, but... That's definitely gone now. He's fixed that part of his game, so credit to Sylvain Lefebvre probably on that. I honestly think this season, I mean, it's already been happening, that he's going to be back and forth between the Ducks, the Texas squad, and the goals. But this is his year. Um, the Ducks either need to make room for him or make room for him next year. Otherwise, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's sad, but it feels like it's it's, it's time. Is it a, you know, coming to a close with the Ducks still coming to a close with the girls. Yeah, you know, I, I we've talked about him a little bit, and he's just, you know, like I said, like there have been little flashes of, of his skating ability and his passing ability that are, are interesting and, you know, I think are something that this Ducks team could use a lot of uh, is that back-end playmaking because I think, you know, 
while I think that, you know, uh, Lindholm has a little bit more to that game than we see sometimes. You know, I'm I'm notoriously not very big on Cam Fowler. I think he's just been such a... It's just been such a weird career for him. You know, I think he came in in his rookie year. He was great, and everybody got so excited. And then, it, you know, it just kind of leveled off, and it got a little weird. And I'm not sure what's going on with him. But I just don't think that the Ducks' back end has had you know, the, the kind of offensive upside that we've been looking for for a while. You know, there was Sammy Votnin and there was Brandon Montour that we thought could help a little bit with that. You know, and I think this is one of those moments where, you know, not to pour salt in the wound, but you see what Shea Theodore is able to do offensively. <clears throat> and and that's the one that hurts, you know, because I think the thing that was obvious with Theodore from the beginning for me was that his puck seemed to have, he, he had a knack for getting his shots to the net, which I, I think is a, a very <clears throat> underrated skill for defensemen. Uh, you know, he would get those little wrist shots off and they would get to the net or at least to that 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 last layer of forwards, you know, in that four or five feet range. And I, I think yeah. that's something that, you know, Cam Fowler hits a lot of shins. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I love Josh Manson, but he's not, you know, he's not a 50-point guy by any means. I'm not, you know, he had that one great year and it was fun, but, yeah. you know, that's not something yeah. we can look at him for. I'm starting to jump on the deal Josh Mason trained too actually oh the... no don't turn on me John I can't lose everything <laughs> like I said before room has to be made eventually no, um, and his contract know. is probably the most dealable oh, back on Mahura just in terms of you're saying comparable with Cam Fowler Mahura is also more physical he's, he's he's picked that up part of his game he's picked that up a lot he's always finishing checks I've noticed um, stepping up um, on the blue line closing his gaps really well yeah I've seen definite improvement year to year year on year on year um and he, he's pretty much almost ready i know it's probably a long time coming but i'd say uh, he's, he's highest on the depth chart right now it's it'll be sure. him then benoit in terms of call-ups so are they are those two fairly similar in style of play or and Fowler? uh no um, and benoit no benoit's more uh no nonsense less finesse mm. But also sneaky good because he can jump on the play. Like he jumps in on the play when you wouldn't expect him to. Um, sometimes, I mean, that can be a part of his game that's had faults because sometimes it's not the right type. But right. less and less that's becoming the case. If anything, what I've noticed about Benoit is nothing at all, which is a good thing. Like you're not noticing <laughs> yeah. he's that good. Yeah. That it's you don't see mistakes. You see quiet successes essentially. So yeah, yeah. you know, I think. That's one of the things for me that I notice is sometimes with young players, the best thing is to never notice them when they make that first game in the NHL. Uh, you know, there's yeah. certainly, you know, I think Lundestrom this year has suffered a little bit from being unnoticeable in a bad way. Uh, yeah. But there is definitely a version of where you realize at the end of the game that like, you're like, oh yeah, like I, he never stood out in a way that <laughs> made me upset. You know, he didn't necessarily show that, that uh, he didn't have any moments of brilliance. But I think, especially with young players, that base level of competency is so important to them being able to earn a coach's trust and to get the opportunities that will then allow them to, you know, become a bigger part of the team as far as producing and moving up in the lineup. Yeah, and um, interesting you bring up Lundestrom, and I just wanted to also jump in on Larson. Um, Both have really surprised me this season. Um, I mean, yeah, like you said, Lundestrom's had some pretty rough games with the Ducks so far. Um, but when he came down to the goals, he did not look like the same player. Look like the same player. He was 
has just the puck on a stick, uh, making some good shooting plays look like a pure sniper, which is not anything we've ever heard about his game. Larson, I mean, he was the whipping boy for everyone last year. Yeah. And just to see how much he's improved just just over the offseason is is phenomenal. Like, we were all ready to write him off. But it looks like we should probably start living in him again. So that's been, like, if anyone's upset with how the Ducks have done this year, I've been pleasantly surprised by those two. Well, particularly Larson. Yeah, I you know I I definitely was pretty down on Larson coming into the season, and you know there's been a couple of nice stretch passes, and you know I don't think he's he's looked great, but he has definitely been in the right position more often than not. He's reading plays better. Uh, you know I think before Manson went down, him and Hockenpah were playing pretty well together. Um, you know, and I think him and Hutton have done well. Uh, Larson is such an interesting one because I think it's so easy to forget how young he is. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's been 21 for like six years now. Like it just, (laughs) you know, and he had that really poorly timed and unfortunate leg break early in his career. Yeah. And, you know, I know Bob Murray's still pissed about that with how his team in Sweden handled it. And it's just, it's very unfortunate the degree to which, you know, that was a pick that when it happened, I think a lot of people were very high on, you know, like, oh, that's a good yeah, one. You yeah. know, he's going to fit right into that Anaheim system and they're going to put him in San Diego and he's going to develop and, you know, he's going to yeah. be a, a Lindholm light and it just, we haven't exactly. seen that yeah. yet. Yeah, but it's, I mean, you're starting to see a potential now. That's the thing. It's just, mm-hmm. um, he's adapting his game to the new, new NHL, maybe. Is that what it feels like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so we digress to the Ducks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And the original question was developing defenseman of forward. Hey, what about goaltending? Yeah. Should I take this moment to... <laughs> Everybody's lord and savior, Lucas Dostal, man. Well, I don't know. That's what I was going to say. Take this moment for a quick PSA. Uh, I have a Czech friend on my role hockey team who I asked him for uh, a pronunciation advice. And apparently it's Lucas Dostal. Dostal. So... Dostal, yeah. Right, I'm not sure how long that's going to get to filter through to media and broadcasters, but <laughs> well, I mean, it's going to be mighty, so obviously it's going to hit. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's going to know about it now. Uh, that's interesting. It almost sounds like a like a very fancy beer. Dostal, oh, Dostal, yeah. thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's he's, a, he's he's a fun kid to watch. Yeah, he's um he's so small for a goalie, but yeah. he always always makes the save like uh watching those games and it's it's all i could think of was like that kid has no quit and i shouldn't even be surprised by that because that's what all the scouting reports said um he always makes a save he does what he can it's the ones and the ones that he didn't save from the games are pretty much traffic uh that's you couldn't see him through traffic and that's that was always the book on him like he's small so just throw a couple of big dudes in front of him he's not going to see it uh, it's going to be fun to see how he does this season and what the girls do for that obvious weakness. Potentially, maybe that's why they went and got Trevor Carrick because through running my, my season preview, I've, I've actually learned a little bit more, even though I thought I'd covered them enough. But um, the, the Ducks' blue line, I mean, the goals' blue line, it's probably their strength this year is uh, all the guys they've got. I mean, put it this way, they've only got nine forwards on the roster right now. Um <laughs> Yeah, but one of them Zegris, and according to everybody, he's worth four people. So <laughs> that's true. But see, that's what I'm saying. I, I've got I've pinned the goals as coming second in the division, but that's only if Zegris stays with them. Um, oh, 
That's heartbreaking. He makes their power play unstoppable. Yeah, it's just they don't really have anybody else as dynamic if he goes up. Um, they'll make do with what they've got, but they don't have somebody that can like win the game on the power play kind of thing. But yeah, see, on defense, Keegan Lowe, they signed from uh, Bakersfield, and he's mentoring Drysdale. Ben Wild's back. Ahura, Cody Curran's currently here. I'm not sure. He'll probably be bouncing back and forth. Um, but I like what I've seen of him. He's a good puck mover. You can see why the Ducks liked him. Yeah, he's got way high confidence levels. But, I mean, that's because he's a veteran in a way. Yeah. So, in a way. Hunter Drew, of course. Um, they're going to actually have to rely on Hunter Drew to do any uh, enforcement jobs, I'm thinking. Which is, that's, I'm cool with that. Dude can, dude can punch people. Yeah, you know, um, he's got that beef in his game. You know, I think that's definitely something that he seems to appreciate uh, is, you know, he, he, like I said, he does kind of remind me of a, a Manson light. You know, he, you can definitely tell that, you know, Josh Manson's dad was an enforcer in <clears throat> the 70s and 80s or the 80s and 90s. You know, he, he, he still has that kind of about him. And I think Hunter Drew is... Uh, has a little bit of that to him where he definitely has a little bit of that old school ethos for the way, you know, you're supposed to play the game and the way of defending your teammates and stuff like that. Um, you know, we're coming up a little bit closer to the end right here. So I just wanted to ask you real yep. quick, the two big names we really haven't gotten to, Dreesdale <laughs> yep. and Zegris. So I, I just kind of want to give you the floor and tell me what your thoughts are. So uh, I'll start off Drosdale. Like I said, the Golds brought him uh, Keegan Lowe to mentor him. From what I've seen, he is ready. He, he doesn't need to go back to the juniors. He can skate like the wind. He takes it through all three zones with ease, shifty moves, good edges. Haven't seen him do any kind of Scott Niedermeyer like roaming as yet, but I'm sure that'll come. On the power play, he just, he's, you can tell he's clearly comfortable with being a quarterback and a walk in the line. Watching him play in these games as compared to the World Juniors, where you could see that he was clearly deferring to Bon Byron. Um, it's a breath of fresh air. It's, I, I put in my article that like having these junior kids play in the AHL this year is like your parents giving you the first sip of wine when you're underage. <laughs> um, it's exciting and you want it to last longer. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to get to watch him this year, essentially. Yeah, he's, he's someone a lot of people are excited about. You know, He's got that offensive upside. He looks like he's going to be a great skater, which is just so important. Uh, you know, especially as the NHL gets faster and more skilled. And, you know, I think, like I said, uh, you know, I'm like I said, I've said I'm, I'm a bit of an old school guy. So there is some concerns with him. You know, I don't think he's a true six foot, but, you know, with his ability to skate and make passes and stuff, like, you know, it might not matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. And yeah, and I've seen him body up guys as well. He's not afraid to do that. It'll be a test of him playing against men as to how long that lasts over a season. This is. Truly the best thing for his development, I believe. On to Zegers, yeah. What can you say? He's, he's a magician. Just anything. He, he, he seems to think plays five steps ahead and do some weird... Um, he like does a whole Doctor Strange, like, this play will do this, this play will do this, and then decide <laughs> within that second to just, like, triple spinorama through the legs, out the other side, pinball it, you know, from the back. Yeah, he'll do anything. And bring fans out of his seats. That's, I mean, maybe all the hand-wringing about Ducks fans not being able to see him with the Ducks this season is because there's nobody in the stands to watch him. I'm just excited we've got him for the amount of time that we do, even if it's a little bit, because uh, who knows, his, his talent level might actually rub off on some of the other guys too. It's just, he's just so fun to watch. I've seen him even try to do that near side goal line shot that he, he nailed in the World Juniors. Uh-huh. Um, 
the goal he stopped it, but you know he's he's gonna do, he's gonna keep trying. It's the thing about him; he doesn't give up. He just keeps he'll keep trying. That whole drama about uh, congratulating Kaliev on his goal, we, I really don't think anybody should read into that. It's their buddies. He'd do the same thing for Turcotte. Yeah, um, even more so probably. Yeah, I think you know I I, I think for me that uh, it did feel like a couple of people were finding what they were looking for in that tweet, and I. I just don't know that there's a lot to it. You know, maybe if, you know, it's an overtime winner or, you know, the context is a little bit different. But, I mean, it was a 2-1 game at that point, you know. And I, I think, you know, you watch that game, you could tell that the Ducks were kind of running around on them. So I, I don't know that there was really a lot of fear uh, from his part that it was going to all of a sudden turn into a 3-2 game the other way. But, you know, I think... And, um, and I the, the pressure um, from outside circles now to bring him up says to me that it's probably not going to be long before he does come up. We've got we've got the unofficial president Timo Solani um, <laughs> saying why is he down there? A certain podcast that shall not be named saying why is he down there? Um, <laughs> I, I'm sad to say that we probably won't have him much longer. But I mean that shootout goal. Okay, yeah. So people were saying he looks so bored on that shootout goal. But uh, that's just the kid swagger, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> just... the thing for me, and I think that's the stuff I. It's one of those things where all of the reasons that everybody wants him to be on the team, they're largely good reasons. You see the skill level. You see the confidence. You see the poise. Uh, you can see all of the things that, if he comes good, are going to make him a high-level impact player for the Ducks going forward. You know, I think I've kind of come around to bringing him up. I was definitely on, you know, let him stay down. Let him do his thing. Let him really get his feet under him. But, you know, I'm, I'm definitely of the mind that, look, if the Ducks are just going to be bad anyways, then you might as well bring up somebody <laughs> interesting, you know, because he just yeah. seems to enjoy playing. And I that is a feeling that has been missing from the Ducks for a little bit, you know, and, and I, I really don't want to, you know, I, w- I want to make sure that we're talking about the way that this kind of works with the Ducks, but I really want to focus just kind of on who these kids are and not so much about what, uh, you know, how that <laughs> helps the Ducks, you know, that's something a little different, but... I just think Zegris is such a special talent, and he he plays a very Getzloff-style game, but but with a little bit of a looseness. Getzloff has always just been such a serious guy, and you know he still makes these incredible passes, and Zegris seems to do those passes with joy, where Getzy seems to make those passes out of anger. <laughs> or just automation. Uh, <laughs> He's a bit of an automaton at times, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he... I, and I don't see the harm in him coming up. Like, if he if he uh, doesn't impress, like like I'm sure that won't happen. But if he doesn't, then no harm done. He can just come back down. Mm-hmm. And down, in a matter of sense, is what crossing the hallway. Yeah, so, yeah, pretty much. Uh, Depending on the time of day, I it could be an hour goes, drive or a five minute drive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I guess. All in all, we're just waiting for that day, really. It feels like an, an inevitability. Yeah, I, you know, I think there is, there's a lot to be excited about with the San Diego Gulls right now. You know, I think, you know, I think there are some, some criticisms legitimately to be made of the way that the Samuelis have been a little hands-off, but I think it is incredibly uh, admirable, the amount of effort that they have put into making the Gulls a legitimately good organization at the AHL level you know they invested in the uh the rinks at Irvine and 
you know, having it that built and being able to bring the team up and have them all right there, I think is huge. And, you know, I, I think this is the goals and the, it's, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like they've been a fairly competitive team for a few years in a row now, you know, maybe, you know, not making runs all the way to the end, but they really don't seem like they've ever really been just completely out of the, out of the season, 10 games in. They haven't not made the playoffs since their 2015 re-emergence. Yeah. I mean, last year was going to be close to them not making the playoffs, but they were on a run to get that final spot, sure. and they would have got it. So, yeah, you're right. They've been competitive pretty much every single year. So, credit to them. They do really well with um, bringing in the right guys to complement uh, whatever prospects need to be developed. Well, John, I uh, I really can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on. It was it was great to get to talk to you. Uh, you know, this is fun. Get an idea of what the hell's happening down there because I know a lot of us, you know, we're not always uh, we're not always paying attention. So have somebody you know like you who really does seem to love that goals team like they're your kids. It's it's really That's nice, true. and it's it's always That's been true. it's always been a blast to have you know you to talk to. I remember. You know, a season or two ago, I was talking to you and just like, what's going on here? And you're like, oh, this guy's this. And, that. and I'm like, oh, okay, God. <laughs> it's so nice to have somebody like who actually knows what the hell they're talking about, not guessing. And you're right. They are like my children. I'm I'm still a little emotionally heavy over the Kopaka trade. So, yeah, you could probably sense that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and, and like I've been saying, I really don't want Zigris to leave, but um, it's going to happen. So you kind of resign yourself to that. But no, this has been really fun. What do you call that? Maintenance. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Defend the Nest SD. So Twitter, Defend the Nest SD. My blog is defendthenest.com. I've just put up a season preview. Uh, and I do hope to have my own podcast eventually. I just We were just talking about that before recording. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to figure out. Yeah, no, this has <laughs> been seamless. There wasn't at all 20 minutes before we started talking of <laughs> me not knowing what I'm doing. It's fine. It's not a big deal at all. <laughs> Uh, well, I, like I said, man, I, I know it was your day off. And so I really can't tell you how much I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Uh, it's really been a blast talking to you about this and I'm, I'm sure I'll be checking in with you probably more since if you're fine with it. Cause I, I'd really love to have yeah, a better of idea yep. of what's going on. So. Oh, good. If you, if your listeners have any questions, I do the same thing with the crash, the pong guys. Um, hashtag it, ask guys. the nest. I don't know if we can trust those guys. <laughs> They're a little shady, but Hashtag ask the nest and I'll send you a recorded <laughs> message with my answer. Oh, and you just throw it on there. That's awesome. So, uh, but I'm also going to do my own one. So just look out for that, people. So you heard. And if you live in San Diego, actually, feel if you live in San Diego, hit me up because I am trying to find other people that are keen about writing about the goals and actually live in San Diego. So. Oh great! Well, there it is, man. Or if you know you live in Irvine for the next six weeks, uh, that might be oh, helpful yeah. too. Uh, <laughs> Well, so, you know, that that's it, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Got get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. 